Our readings today, uh, the first one, the Samuel one, which Jacob read to us, was all about um, how we tend to judge people. And we saw earlier on how all of us imagined this would have the best present in it. I imagined it too, but it was in fact empty. And we often, it's an illustration of how we often judge people by first appearances. It might be what they look like, it might be what they're wearing, it might be the job they do. We make assumptions almost before we've even spoken to them. As an example, imagine that you are all going out for the day, you're going to London and you're going up on the train to go to the zoo, you're going to have lunch out, it's going to be great. And as you arrive at the station, you discover a crowd of people outside, no trains, and nobody knows what's going on. And then I amble up in my skirt and T-shirt, and I say, oh, go to platform four. There's a train coming in from the coast. It's empty. You can all fit on it. Most people are going to turn around and look at me and go, who's she? She, she's just like one of us. What does she know? She doesn't know anything. We're not going to take any notice of her because I do look just like everybody else. However, if I put my trusty, this is a very important part of push equipment actually, a trusty high-vis jacket on, suddenly I stand out from the crowd, but more than that, people look at this jacket and they think, ah, She knows what she is talking about. She must be right. If she says go to platform four, we'll go to platform four. And lo and behold, the train comes in and everybody gets to go to the zoo. But it all depends on, it all depended really on what I was wearing. The reading today looked at when Samuel was choosing the next king. He was looking at all these sons coming in, and they were big, strapping men, nice and strong, nice and handsome. Maybe some of them were warriors. And he was thinking, oh, you must be the king. You must be the one. And time and time again, God said, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. Turns out it's the the runt, as they called it in the message bubble, the, the, the youngest child who's been delegated to go and look after the sheep, which is not the nicest of jobs. It wasn't who he thought it would be. And God said, you look at the face and the outward appearance, but I look into the heart. I look and see what's within somebody. I look at the gold inside, as Bimby said earlier. I look at the potential they have, the person they are. That's what's important to me, not what clothes they're wearing, whether they've got the latest trainers. I'm not interested. When I was a teenager, I had to read a book at school. Uh, it was called To Kill a Mockingbird, and I'm guessing a lot of adults have read it. Any teenagers read it? If you haven't, they are. If you haven't, you must read it. It actually was life-changing for me as a 13, 14-year-old. One of the um, subplots in the book is about the main character, a girl called Scout. And she and her brother make up a story about a man who lives down the road who nobody has seen for like 20, 30 years, not since he was a child. And they make up these stories. He's this monster man who comes out at night and he takes people's cats and he prowls around gardens and he's a a scary presence. But by the end of the book, this man turns into one of the heroes of the story. And at the end, Scout says to her dad, uh, Atticus, she says to him, do you know what? I was really scared of him. And then when I met him, and when I actually got to know him, he's all right. He's really quite nice. 
And her dad says, most people are, when you take the time to get to know them. And then he says, you never really know a person until you climb into their shoes and you walk around in them. You never really know someone until you climb into their shoes and walk around in them, seeing things from their point of view. At the youth band practice on Wednesday, Aidan and I were talking to the band about the talk today and what it meant to judge people. And one of the girls said, you don't know what sort of day the person has had who you've come into contact with. They might come out their door with a big scowl on their face and you see them and think, oh, oh, they're grumpy, I'm keeping away from them. And actually, they're not grumpy with you at all. They've had an argument with the cat or their brother or something and they've just come out the door in a bad mood. Or maybe they've had some bad news. None of us know what's going on in other people's lives and why they might, on a particular day, not be at their best. We're all very quick to judge. But God has made each of us in his image and he loves each of us and we are called to do the same. We are called to be slower to judge and quicker to show love. Now, as the story went on, at the end of it, David gets anointed as king. Great news. Except that he has to wait. And he's not even to tell people. It's a secret. I'm getting a bit hot in this jacket. Um, It's a secret that he's going to be king. And he has to wait a long, long time. It's a little bit like some of you who've got your golden ticket, but you can't tell anybody yet. You've got to wait till the end of the morning before you're going to be able to all be revealed. He has to wait. He goes back to feed, looking after his sheep. He has to go into battle. He suffers heartache, waiting for, to, for his kingdom to arrive, for him to finally become king. And it's the same with us. We are waiting for God's kingdom. We see little glimpses of it of now and again. We might see some people getting healed. We might see peace being brought to a situation or something being resolved that we thought humanly couldn't be. We see glimpses of God's goodness and his kingdom, but we're not going to see all of it until we have that glorious homecoming when we get to see it in all its perfection. Until then, we are waiting. And in the parable of the sower, he sows his seeds, and if you've ever sowed seeds at home, you will know that it is a waiting game. This seed is full of potential, and it could be that you're going to produce a nice tomato plant with lots of tomatoes or whatever crop you've sown, but you've got to wait. And when you first put it in the ground, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. In the parable, eventually, the harvest comes and the man is able to enjoy the fruits of that seed, but he has to wait a long time. And he has to live by faith and not by sight, because to start with, he can't even see what's going on underground. But in fact... The seed is putting down roots, shoots are coming up, and it's all, everything's going well. So we're waiting, and what are we called to do in the meantime? We are called to live and serve God cheerfully. But we don't do it on our own. And as David is anointed king, the Message Bible says, the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, and God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life. A rush of wind. Did we have something about that a couple of weeks ago? Maybe at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first comes on the first disciples, it comes literally as a rush of wind and a fire. David has his Pentecost moment hundreds of years before they do. And we've had ours. When we follow Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit empowering us 
to live and serve him cheerfully. So, what are we called to do? Well, the first thing this morning was we are called to love the people he's created and not to dismiss them or judge them too quickly. We're also called to be patient and faithful while we wait. David went back to feeding sheep. He um, took on the giant Goliath and finished him off. He led the Israelites into battle. He even spared the life of King Saul, who was king at the time and was trying to kill him. He could have said, I'm going to be king soon. I'm going to sit back, eat crisps, watch Netflix and just bide my time until my time is here. But he didn't. He could have said, I've just been anointed king. There's somebody already there. He's not meant to be there. I'm going to get rid of him and I'm going to become king now. But he didn't. He was faithful. He waited for God's timing, but he didn't just sit around idly. He got on with serving and worshipping his God until finally he became king and enjoyed the kingdom. We're also called to serve God and to sow seeds of faith in others. And I want to say to you, don't ever think that what you do is too small or insignificant. If you just put in a text to somebody who's not a Christian, I hope and pray that your mum's okay. If you just slip it in gently like that, don't think even that is not important. If you're able to pray for them, even better. But even just slipping that into a text message or into a conversation can make a difference. And it all builds as we go along. So don't ever think your contribution isn't important. A word of encouragement about Samuel before we finish. When we first see Samuel in the Bible, he's a young boy working in the temple. And one night he hears this voice calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks that it's the old priest, Eli, and he's calling him and he needs help. So he goes rushing in to Eli. Oh, what, what is it? What do you want? And Eli says, Oof, nothing. Go back to sleep. You've woken me up. Go back to sleep. I didn't call you. And this goes on and on and on until eventually Eli says... I'm not calling you. I've got a feeling God is trying to speak to you. And you just don't recognize his voice. So listen now. And next time you hear him, say in reply, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. That is how Samuel first starts to hear God's voice and work alongside him. Go on for years and years and years. And we get to this older man who is called by God to go and anoint a new king. And the reading we heard from Jacob talks about, he goes down, God says, I want to anoint a new king. Take your oil and go to Bethlehem, and off he goes. And then God says, call Jesse and his sons. It's going to be one of them. And he gets the sons. And then time and time again, God is speaking to Samuel and saying, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one, till he finally says, call in the shepherd boy. He's the one. And we read that conversation, it just sounds like the most natural thing in the world, like God is standing next to Samuel and they're just having this dialogue. But it hasn't come by accident. It's come because Samuel has lived a life of worship and service to God. And this has been building to this moment for years and years. And it's encouragement to us. I'd love to have conversations with God that much, that quickly, and, and to have answers and direction from him that easily and it all comes from worshipping him spending time in his presence and listening out for his voice Samuel knew that the key to that was a life of service and worship and David knew it too as he went to become king 
he knew that true God-given power didn't come from his size of his army or the, how glossy his chariots were or how tall his horses were. It came not from weapons but from worship. So, until God's kingdom comes, with the help of the Holy Spirit within us, we are called to be slow to judge and quick to show love. We are called to serve God in whatever way he calls us to. And I know earlier I was talking about stepping down from the youth work. My heart is still to serve God in whatever way he wants to use me. And I pray that for all of us, that we'll all just want to, here I am, use me as you want to use me. And we are called to worship him. We are called to live a life living for his glory. And Mark is going to come and lead us in some prayers. And in a moment, we're also going to be listening to Eden singing a song all about living for God's glory. Thank you.